Well, the FAI have done it again. Bohemian supporters step out of line and Drogheda get financially punished. Well done, lads. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where putting your hands on a ball boy seems to be allowed these days. Bowls get punished by the FAI, or do they? And Cuevin Kelleher reminds everyone that he's still around. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, there was a few incidents at the Pats and Bowls game and there's been some punishment handed out in the aftermath. And you were there. I was there. Um I felt like you threw me into it there a little bit. Like I wasn't there in terms of <laughs> <laughs> launching the players at players, but yeah, I, I was. Uh, I was definitely in attendance for the game on Friday night. Um, we'd like to skew over the results for now, right? We can come back to that later if you want to. But yeah, I suppose what we need to show with visual uh, visual protests took place at the game at the start of the fourth and the second half. Uh, this was against the FBI. And again, probably something we can jump into now in a couple of minutes, Roy. Also, surrounding uh, the Jonathan Hill situation, which again, we, we, we need a lot more than just be scooted over. And these are two clubs also that, the, the, the fan base in particular, they would have been let down in the cup final back in November. They both had displays ready to go, um, and they were both pulled by FBI's uh, staff and the Aviva Stadium management. Which these things obviously come at a great cost, a great effort, and uh, generous donations put in by fans too. So there was plenty of unrest by both sides going into the game, um, aimed towards the FEI. Now, this all comes from the second half. The second half kicks off, and the visual protest that again, with them being uh, banners being displayed, Roy, uh, and there would have been pyrotechnics and streamers, stuff like that. And from the Bohemians, then the away end. The, the pyrotechnics were then thrown onto the pitch, hitting one of their own players, uh, defender Keane Bourne. Luckily, he received a little bit of treatment. There seems to be a minor bone on his arm, but he was fit to play on and ready to go. So thankfully, it wasn't any higher and the hit him in the face, it could have been a lot worse. Like, yeah, yeah. It was it's definitely one of their moments when they're there and he goes down, they're thinking, oh God, this is this could be a bad one for the lad. But thankfully, it wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't the case for him. The game was halted for a couple of minutes while the situation got under control. And... That was really that until the day itself, but you definitely knew at the time this isn't going to be the end of it. You could be looking at a big punishment for for both clubs, perhaps. Like you, you assume when both bowls and pats will face points, which is the norm for pyrotechnics at games. But there was there has been an announcement on the Bohemian punishment, as you mentioned there in the intro, and that is that uh, on top of a fine, Bohemian fans have been um, banned from attending their next away fixture, which will take place this Monday. Uh, the 4th of March in Weaver's Park as he played Rotten United. Okay, so and just said, just, it, just to go back step, um, there wasn't just one flare thrown though, Nathan, because that made it sound multiple, like there was, yeah, there was yeah. multiple flares yeah, thrown multiple, on. Yeah. And at one stage, they were, the, the teams were on the 18-yard box and they were being thrown at the players on the 18-yard box. So they were putting great effort to throw these flares yeah, on. Oh, 100%. So it's just pure stupidity and, and it's idiotic. And these are the, the, the dumbasses, I suppose, that you get around that ruin things for, for everyone. 
Okay, so let's go. Let's go back to the the punishment. So, and as I've kind of worked around in the intro, mm. this really isn't too much of a punishment for Bose. The fans just don't get to go away and cause problems, but it could cost Drogheda an awful lot of money. Um, some are saying about nine yeah. grand uh, just for you know the supporters coming up. Would it not have, and and this is what I think, would it not have been better to just to shut down Daily Mount for their next game? That would really hurt them then. That would hurt the, the Bowes fans, the the, the club Bowes, because um, that's that's what you have to do. You have to sort of punish the club that has caused this incident and not really punish the, the team that is, you know, trying to struggle along and, and, and keep their head above water. 100% Roy 100% that, that's the common sense answer isn't it if you're looking at uh, Bowers next home game that, that's the that's the area where this punishment should come into place whether that is blocking off the, the Jody stand or if the next minute the fans or the whole stadium I don't know like they're looking they're playing uh, Dundalk at home on Friday that's the place to do it mm. rather than punishing Jotty United as you said they're the one losing out on gate receipts on Monday and that too realistically as I said the Monday night how many away supporters are you going to get Albeit, Drogheda isn't a million miles away from Dublin, but you're still midweek game. You, you, you wouldn't get the, the footfall that you would on a Friday night. So you, you're not really affecting Bowers. You wouldn't have got thousands of Bowers fans travelling up to Drogheda on the Monday night after work, after school, after college, or after whatever it may be. Uh, so, yeah, it, it definitely was a, a, a not ridiculous punishment, but a ridiculous punishment came at the time to do it. And as you mentioned, just when we were talking about the, the players getting thrown on, I think anyone that's looked into the Johnson the Johnson Hill uh, situation, you're not go, you won't be annoyed at the message and you won't be annoyed at the protest. Well, I, I certainly wasn't myself, but it's, there's definitely ways of going about it. And the, the way that it, it, it played out on Friday night really let let themselves down and it, it let the league down as a whole. Like it's it's, what, it's these things sort of give more uh, ammunition, don't you, to the things that you're protesting against. Well, Nathan, like, I didn't know too. I didn't know too much about the protest that was going to happen. Or uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't even know too much about the the protest. Only for the flares came onto the pitch, and and mm. then you started discussing with me. So I don't think that they have. Yeah, there might have been a few banners up and what have you, but I think there's better ways of getting more focus on the situation that you want addressed. Um, this flares and thrown on the pitch obviously isn't the, isn't the right way. Um, I still think there's other ways that they can go about their business as well. Like I don't think there's anything, anything wrong with putting banners up and and you know protesting. Maybe maybe there should be protests, uh, marches through the sea. I don't know something that's going to cause a bit of a stir that the RTE or Virgin Media or someone is going to start taking notice of it. But at the moment that didn't really affect me. It didn't really, I didn't know much about it. And I might be one looking out for stories. So people who aren't looking out for stories, they're, they're not even going to know about it. Yeah, and that's it. And, and any stories that, as you said, if you're not looking out for are looking out for, it's, again, a negative connotation of, of the league and what the league can offer to, to a mainstream media that, like, to be honest Roy, we're a couple of days removed now. We're, we had the weekend removed from from the incident itself and I've seen more coverage of it of of the the, the Pat and Bowles game probably more than when Shamrock Rovers won their, their fourth league title in a row which, <laughs> which will sum up which, which is mad and it's always it, it is unfortunate the way where League of Ireland fans like itself and it's the vast majority as I said 
you can understand the frustration behind it. We, me and you talk about the, how much the league has been let down by the FBI and then you see someone like Jonathan Hill um, taking the, the holiday payment in a loo and you can understand the frustration there. And again, that's the topic that we could talk about now in a few minutes or not another time in greater detail. But you can definitely understand the frustration of it. But it's just it's just not a good it's just not a good look again. It's, it's another thing where you're, you're, you're clicking on the articles and the negative commentation. You'd have to, you've seen statements from the PFEI talking about player safety, and again they want the whole meetings with with players, with the FEI and with officials around the days of the polytechnics. And that's very important too. I'm sure I'm sure there's players that have been looking at the incident thinking, God, that, that could easily be me. If they they've had similar stories to it, but they're getting away from. The original point that that the fans wanted to make that's now completely in the background. It, it, it's not even being mentioned at all now. It, it, all that's being talked about is the security issue in the league and how the league might not yeah. be the safest place for you to bring your kids or bring your family or bring your loved ones. Yeah, so it's it, it in the end it's being counterproductive because of, 100% of, of being those, those idiots who decided to. I don't. What, I don't get what goes through their their mind in these situations. They they think it's hilarious do they think it's you know everyone's going to pat them on the back I, I don't get it or they're just actual morons they don't have a fucking brain okay um, Jonathan Hill let's just talk about him because you've kind of touched on him there uh, one of the big things that you notice is that I believe himself and oh Max Cannon the League of World Director yes or are you talking about Mark, Mark Cannon Cannon so Jonathan Hill and Mark Cannon I believe have not moved over to Ireland and are working uh, from the UK, which that's not a good sign at all. If you're going to be part of the FAI, you should be working here. You should be hands on. You should be on the ground and you should be getting yourself around and working hard within the country that you're in. This isn't the Republic of Ireland job when Jack Charlton was there and he could swan off and, and go away in a part time kind of job. This is full on full time job and he should be here. Uh, absolutely seven days a week no qualms about it so what's your thoughts on that? Yeah that's funny as well Roy isn't it like these are the two guys that we only talked about a couple of weeks ago with the criteria of being a Ireland manager and one of those criteria being that the manager will have to live in Ireland and can do you know what Martin O'Neill done and Jack Charlton done and Chapitoni done and, and just come in and out for their media obligations or for the games or for training so it's a little bit Hypocritical, isn't it? When when they're they're laying out what they want from a manager and they're not abiding by it too. And mm. as you mentioned, what they're doing is, is a full time job as a whole. And we're just talking a little bit here about the we just mentioned about, about the situation itself. A lot of it blew up the day before the Pat the Bowl game on the Friday, which was the, on on the Thursday, the twenty second of February, when Jonathan Hill. To be honest, I, again, I didn't watch all of it or, or, or got a good amount of the notes in to see what went on. It was a three-hour disaster class that he was in front of, he was in Leinster House in front of the Public Account Committee. Again, talking about the the, the, the 11.5 uh, thousand of uh, holiday pay uh, he didn't take for 2022. And even before that, you know, it's funny, like it, 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 makes, it makes you laugh at times, but it, it just shows you that the, the how substandard the, the, the association still is. Like the FEI 24 hours um, were, excuse me, the FEI were 24 hours late submitting the, that opening statement for the hearing, 
and re- uh, requested documents. They, they all have stuff only arrived 45 minutes before the hearing itself and were heavily redacted. So were really difficult to go through and they were difficult to analyse during the meeting. And the FBI also decided which uh, invited employees should attend the PSA uh, meeting. And probably Jordan, that the biggest takeaway, Roy, that I took out of the, of the notes of what went on is that FBI President Paul Cook declined to express his confidence in Johnson Hill in his role mm. as, a, as CEO. And, and that probably does bring back, and we can ask that question at the end of the segment about his, his tenure and is he going to stay around? That really does give you the fact of not if, but when he's going to be moved on and that someone else is going to come in. But you can talk about the, the, the new FBI all you want. And it's funny, isn't it, that the time in this, me and you sat here last week talking about the, 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 the pathway plan. I think we're both really positive on it. That it was, yeah. it was it was ambitious. And for once, the FBI actually outlined reasonable goals of how to get there. And a couple of days are moved. And once we're so frustrating for the people trying, it's now done a complete 360 and it's, it's gone back to negative connotations. Like you have an association here that was bailed out with a taxpayer only four years ago. And now they're looking and they're asking for hundreds of millions of government financing to back the, 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 the football pathway plan and to back that for, uh, their facility investment strategy. And it's just, as I said, Paul Cook's had to pretty much give me his vote and no confidence. Yeah. I think that the sentiment is that they're going straight back into the fan base again. Yeah, so I think that League of Ireland supporters and I think there's a lot of people who are just football supporters are looking at Jonathan Hill and thinking, do we really want you here? Because we don't, we're not convinced by what you've done uh, so far. Yeah, no, I don't blame them. No, I don't blame them at all. So, like you're, look, you're looking here, it's hard to jump ahead here, Roy, but like you're looking at someone in Jonathan Hill's position where, and I think it's 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 definitely um, accelerated over the past couple of months. We've had no men's senior manager now since November. We've had no primary men's sponsor. And I know we talked about the, the revolution, but nothing's been announced. That's going on three, over three years now. It's great to see Eileen Gleeson getting the, the, the permanent women's national team job. The whole role of head of women's and girls' football, that's in vacant since August. Nobody stepped into that. Mm. And you can talk about the growth of, of commercial income all he wants. This is Jonathan now. But that, let's be honest, that was a ground zero he walked into that role. Yeah. That was not going to get any any worse. That was always going to grow. I wouldn't be too quick to pat myself on the back for that one. Yeah, yeah. Really, no. let's, let's be honest, the, the, the performance doesn't justify the salary raise. Yeah. It really doesn't. And, and you can understand why people are looking at Jonathan Hill and thinking, what are you doing with the position? Cause, because these, this is a list of big, big objectives that have not been ticked off time and time again. Yeah. Um, I think people are looking at him He's yeah, as you said, he, he's <laughs> no probably better off not saying too much because uh, uh, the legal eagles will be out. But uh, he's probably not too far off uh, John Delaney and and his popularity, I suppose. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's move on because uh, during the Shamrock Rovers and Shelbourne game, uh, it seems that and we we were trying to figure out who it was, Nathan, because the the footage isn't very clear. A ball boy got pushed over by a Shamrock Rovers player. Uh, who was it that we have made it out that could be and probably most likely is? Yeah, so as you said, the legal league might be hovering. So I'm going to put a big fat 
apparently besides this one. <laughs> uh, I just I, I just said, yeah, great win for Shells, by the way. So let's let's not let this Eden Hazard point two scenario get in the way of of, of, a, of a cracking win for Shelburne beating Rovers two uh, one in Tolga Park. But yeah, as I said, it was grainy, grainy footage. It was like a like a UFO type grainy, wasn't it? <laughs> you can only see it a tiny little bit. Uh, looking like apparently uh, Marcus Kuhn, as I said, going full Eden Hazard and pushing it, uh, pushing it shy to the ground. I was trying to get the ball and get get the ball back into play to uh, to get an equaliser for them. Well, we say apparently, um, it's just because we don't know which player it, it actually is. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we, there's we, no apparent about the push. No, there's no apparent about the push at all. We just just don't want to be. Uh, if we want to pull Marcus, we do apologise. But that's the name that's popping up uh, from everything because we peruse through the, uh, the 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 replays on the on League of Ireland website and the Boat Club website and. All you have to go off is like one person's grainy footage. Yeah. It's the League of Is this the fourth myth in the League of Ireland, Roy? Is this like the League of Ireland's Loch Ness Monster? Yeah. Did the get, get pushed over because I got off one bit of grainy footage. Um, um, okay, so let's, yeah. let's ask the question, Nathan. If, as you said, you brought up Ethan Hazard, we are seeing that one. If someone yeah. puts their hands on a ball boy, ball girl um, on the side of a pitch, should they be sent off and should they how serious should a ban be? Yeah, they definitely should. You you get in the heat of the moment. Um you know, as I said, you you want to get the ball back and play, they're chasing an equalizer, but it's there's definitely lines being crossed, isn't there? Yeah, no, I'm not gonna go back on myself, there's definitely lines being crossed. Um I'd be interested to see would there ever be an internal punishment from the club itself sort of to save face a little bit you know if if it wasn't a rule that a disciplinary independent disciplinary committee didn't really get involved that, that's probably the way I would see it playing now rather than going to full hog with, with, with the League of Ireland or, in, or sorry the FEI and their independent committee I think it would be more so done in-house and probably should be done in-house it was, you're not it gonna, was a moment you're not going to get it was, yeah but you're not going to get your your club banning you for a game so that's that's not going to happen. You get a slap on the wrist, yeah, don't do that again. Um, you know, yeah, a few pictures yeah. with a few ball boys and then they're all happy again. I think personally, if that's you putting your hands on a child anywhere else, you're in trouble. And I think that in this case, he, the player should be receiving a three-match ban. That means no one touches any of the ball boys or the ball girls. In this instance, I can understand sometimes players being furious if a, if a ball boy gets the ball and throws it at them or something like that but he dropped yeah. the ball on the ground and then he pushed them away and there was no need to be doing it so for me yeah definitely red card uh, so the referee referee had his hands full there so I don't think he probably seen it to tell you the truth I don't know if the linesman's got to see it or fourth officials seen it but I know the referee after the tackle that went in uh, there was a bit of a cluster there, so we, we're given the benefit of the doubt on that one. But retrospective action, I think there should be, and I think there should be a three-match ban. I don't think they should let this go, because if you do it in one, then why why would you punish anyone else after that? So it's a free-for-all. Go and kick kids around the pitch if you want to. So definitely, uh, I think they uh, they need to have a good look at that one. Okay, uh, Quiven Kelleher reminded everyone that he's still around after an epic performance in the EFL Cup at the weekend, Nathan, does this put him on top of the goalkeeper goalkeeping tree uh, for the Irish team? 
it's it gets him back into contention, doesn't it? And I know he, he's been he's, he's been fortunate with the with Allison's injuries over the past while. Like in fairness to Liverpool, it, it was an absolutely depleted squad, and Allison being one of them. So credit to him for get for getting the job done in the cup final. But it's it definitely gets him back into it. You have someone in Gavin Bazuni who'll be a lot of people's number one to sell included. He's playing consistently at Southampton, albeit a, a, a league below. Um, a little bit inconsistent this season, as, as Gavin being. Um, but Kelleher, not a bother for him at all. It seems he got stepped up. I, just, I still wonder how big of a summer it is it for him, Roy. You'd imagine he's still going to be the number two at Liverpool behind Alisson. Alisson is not going to go anywhere. Uh, but just with Jorgen leaving, like, like fairness to Klopp, he put a lot of faith in him, especially in the cup competitions. Um, and that, that that hasn't faltered in the final. And by all accounts, it would even if Allison was fit, uh, Craven was going to be in between the sticks anyway. So you wonder how big of a summer it is a forum, as I said, with with, with Klopp leaving, and someone new coming in with a new identity and new ideas. And one for me that I, that I did have me have me eye on the top of LinkedIn was the the announcement that Joe Hart going to be retiring uh, from football. Yeah. That leaves the number one spot open up in Celtic. Which that, that's that's a move, isn't it? That that has been rumoured and talked about. But in terms of Keller, he's, he's definitely had to put in a couple of more heroes on the on the, on the end of your transfer fee after his performance. Well, I he tell you, absolutely, Nathan, absolutely excellent. Yeah, I think I think he was excellent. I did think of Celtic when I heard about Joe Hart, but you know, someone like someone like Everton. I mean, they've Jordan Pickford there. You know, they got T Rex arms. Wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> he, he he just. I've never had any sort of confidence in Joe Hart. Listen, he pulls off some great saves, I do understand, but there's mistakes in him. And Kelleher is a, a calm player. He's not. There's no panic in him. And he generally, his decision-making is quite good. There's His handling is good. He's all-round good quality goalkeeper. I mean, he's not going to get anywhere sitting on the bench for Liverpool for, for the rest of the season or next year or the year after. So he's going to have to make a move at some stage. So as we said, something like Celtic, um, for me, and uh, someone like Everton or m- maybe a, a Premier League team, he's, he's good enough in the Premier League. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You know, I don't know if a Chelsea come knocking or anything like that, but th- there's definitely a move there for him. And I think he should seek it out because... Yeah, they're going to be a new manager and they probably won't let him go for a while because the new manager are probably looking at Alisson and looking at Cuevin and thinking, well, who will I play as my number one? But if Alisson's still there, you can kind of guess that he's going to still be the number one. He's experienced. He's not nowhere near finished. So I just couldn't see it happening there. So, yeah, for me, he has to move if he wants to wants to make a career. Because you don't make a career by sitting on the bench. And it's like that. I know you can talk with the longevity of a goalkeeper, but he's 25 now. He's at that age where, as you said, it's nice on your CV saying you're a Liverpool player for X amount of years, but he does need that game time. I'm the same as you. I'd probably rather him stay in the Premier League, uh, whether that be a mid-table club, it's probably re- more realistic where he's going to go. You go up to somewhere like Celtic and yeah, you, you, you're likely going to be successful in terms of silver at some, some stage. But the main one that people are saying is the European football. And you, you definitely will get some up there, but I couldn't hit it last time if Celtic went on a decent European run in terms of getting out of the group. So I wouldn't let that sway them too much either. Where no, and there's, think, yeah, we, there's other avenues, Nathan. There's still the likes of Spain and Italy and, you know, good quality oh, yeah, players like him. There's The clubs will be queuing up for him. So, you know, look at all um, options and, and 
and, and try and pick that right one. But make sure you're going to be getting your regular game time because once he's in goal for a team regularly, he's going to improve. He's going to be, you know, the number one. So he'll let himself down if he sits on the bench again for Liverpool next year. I definitely, I definitely think that. What do we think of, because the same is happening with Mark Travers. Um, Gavin Bazunu is playing. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on when he steps back up, uh, hopefully, hopefully steps back up into the Premier League. That's nothing guaranteed there. I think they're in fourth position at the moment. But what do you think on our goalkeeping front there? Bazunu, Travers, from last year, Bazunu, or the year before, Bazunu would have been sort of edged ahead of them. Uh, But Kelleher kind of, yeah, he's kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons there. And Mark Travers is not playing at all. Yeah, it's a shame about Mark, isn't it, Roy? Like someone that you've talked about before, that you would have known him. Um, from his his his, his, uh, his youth career and things like that, and a really is a fine goalkeeper, but it's always been a position that we've been really blessed in. And you'd actually a fear for Mark would be that he'd, he'd drop out of the contendership completely, and mm. maybe even go down to, to the four choice goalkeeper if someone else was to emerge. For me, it's yeah, still the zero new. It's he's still the, the the number one Irish keeper, and he still deserves it, even though he's playing in the championship. He's, he's week in week out. Uh, he's consistent. He's regular. Keller, as you said, is definitely be, he's definitely enjoy it. Uh, Alisson being out with terms of going to have improved game time. It's looking like Alisson's not going to be back now until after the next international break. So that, that's going to continue for, for Cleveland, which is great to see for him. But if it's nailed down in number one for March, it, it will be Vizuna for me. Okay, right. Um, I think if there's a new manager in place, if, um, or, if, even, if, if or even if John O'Shea is, is taking a caretaker role, you might see that they, they all get a little bit of game time. Um, which which is fair enough, I suppose. Okay, fan question. Yeah, we have this back. We were going to talk about it last week, but uh, we just kept waffling. So we're going to yeah. jump on it this week. So <laughs> apologies to, uh, to Lee Brennan. Thanks, Lee's a new name onto the list, which is great to see. Uh, keep them coming, pal. So Lee's question, simple enough, right? Who was done the best transfer business in the off-season? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's actually a difficult one because... There wasn't much action. There wasn't much to and fro until the very last minute. I, I've I've kind of missed out on a whole load of them. Tell you the truth, Nathan. I'm not. I don't think I'm well up on on the ones because I haven't seen them, so I don't really know who has done the best. So I'm going to leave this in your capable hands. Yeah, I think we're talking about this, Roy. And let's look. Let's not take the two the two match days into consideration and how people are doing, how people aren't in terms of recruits. I think you're looking at the three obvious answers and they're probably just stupid ones to say, but you're looking at Sean McRovers, obviously, adding to the quality with McInnett coming in, does it Trevor Clark, and uh, Dara Bone, Johnny Kenny and Marcus Pilm all coming back in and loan to the club. Every city would be the other one, wouldn't he? Mm. He'd only, only done the Christmas shopping exclusively in Dundalk again. <laughs> uh, again, it's a side with abundance of talent. Johnny brought in Dan Kelly and Pa Hoban and Hoban's probably someone it's probably could be the missing piece of that puzzle because we talked about how much of a, of a lack of a goal scorer that he had in 2023 and the fairness of the that it's, it's, even though he's he's probably averaging about 10 goals a season he's still he's getting numbers up and along with Colin Williams when he gets back from injury he'd be like a new sign and hopefully we can keep fit and possibly the other one in terms of the personnel bringing in like the Rory Key and the two cabinets Brandon and Kane uh Deluga coming in along from Liverpool, Luke Turner, Aaron Bolger and Conor Keeley. Could be sensible options. But we're going to shake it up a little bit and probably get away from the obvious answers. And again, 
just their opinion here. I'm sure the people listening that be probably, well, just, let, let my club out, but let us now get your answers into us. The two I'd look at, Roy, first of all, uh, I think Shelburne have done really good business in the mm-hmm. offseason. I really think they did. Winning uh, that bit of experience with Sean Gannon, uh, Keith Ward came in as well, his experience. He, he probably won't be in the starting 11, but someone good to have around the place. Ian Bort on loan from Sean Rover, that was a strange one, I thought. I was surprised that Rovers are willing to let him go. Uh, especially to, to someone like Shelbourne here. Well, they might not challenge for the league title. They're going to be in the upper echelons of the table. I'd be shocked if Shelbourne are anywhere near a relegation battle. Uh, Will Jarvis come back into the club on loan a good one. Uh, John Martin from, from Dock. Uh, Dean Williams coming in as well. So I, I think he's done really good sense from the business. It's uh, possible we talked about Longford as well. And they're coming into our 100-year anniversary. I thought they had done good well in terms of addressing another side that really struggled to score goals 2023. They'd be looking at uh, Chris Lyons and Dean George to do that. Uh, and further back into the field, Dean O'Shea coming in from Treaty United, Jamie Egan coming in from Drogheda. That could be a really strong centre-back partnership for Longford Town this season. Could be an interesting one. And uh, Kyle Chambers, someone that's beloved in Longford. Uh, he, he'd be one to, um, to really keep your eye on. They actually looking there. And I suppose, look, we'll, we'll just round it out with a little bit of a treaty. And then look, Maybe obvious show you could say uh, Cork City. Mm. We talk where yeah, I'm getting relegated, losing key players like Keaton, like Hunahan, like Aaron Bolger. Uh, they lost the two goalkeepers that he had in loan. We're thinking he could be in for a bit of a messy off season, but I thought Team Clancy's done good business. Jack Doherty coming in from Colby, huge signing, the top goal scorer last season. Uh, coming in to be prime years now, it's just a great move for Jack if you can stay with, with, with Cork City and get promoted into the Premier Division. Uh, Greg Bolger, another name, very familiar to League of Ireland fans, his vast experience. And then you'd have some some younger pros like Charlie Lyons, Harry Nevin and Evan McLaughlin. Be some, some of the more marquee names to round out there off-season. So I thought Tim Clancy, in fairness to him, his recruitment on paper has been spot on. and He's at the building the squad, really worthy of challenging for that fourth division title and getting themselves back into the, into the top tier of Irish football at the first time in Vatican. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just have a quick glance at the the, the tables. Uh, Treaty United are top of the first division. Uh, Rock bottom are Wexford at the moment, uh, albeit they've uh, I think they've only played one game, haven't they? But yeah. Um, how do you feel about that first division now after the the first couple of games? Yeah, it's it, it's just bedding in now a little bit, Roy, isn't it? Uh, as you say, Treaty United top of the table. They got a really good win. Uh, away from home to UCD, who you'd imagine would be doing their belts and the core and getting his fourth goal. Actually, missed a penalty, he could have got a double on the day as well. And yeah, it's it, it sort of thrown in the, flux, in the flux a bit with the Wexford and Longford game um, getting postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. Some really entertaining ones over the weekend Cole Ramblers uh, and Athlone playing a, a three all draw. Athlone were 3 1 up at one stage, they'd have to go to, to walk away with a draw. And it was bad enough, and I will touch on it quickly, it was bad enough uh, Pat's getting beaten uh, on Friday night, but almost thrown out my last man standing right, because Bray Wanderers left us in the last 15 They did, yeah. To, to pick up a window to carry, so <laughs> I was in for an absolute stinker on Friday night. Only for a red card, yeah. Nathan, wasn't it? Only for, yeah, yeah, a 10-man carry, they really put it on to him. Carry led twice in this game as well, and Another side in Bray Wanderers, you'd imagine the smart money would be on them. He'll be in that playoff push, so they're really, really 
really uh, Kerry FC really put it into them. So they, they not only left the Debray fans sweating, they left me sweating a little bit with the their goal in the last uh, 15 minutes. So the fairness to them, it's the chase from noisy. As I said, it's really really early days. Only two games into it here, but I I think again it's hard to probably waver off Cork City being the team to watch in terms of win the league title, but. It's going to be such a scrap, isn't it? Yeah. For as as way always is for them final play oppositions, and it's, you can talk about the quality that might, the league might might have lost quality with both Galway and uh, Waterford getting promoted, but it, it's all it, 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 it's nothing. It's always dead exciting to watch for that play opposition. Yeah. Um. Treaty United are away to Kerry, so um. Obviously, Kerry probably will struggle a little bit again this year, but they're capable of getting results. Um. Here, there, and everywhere, but it's a good chance for Treaty to get uh, maximum points out of three games. But the big game is probably Cork City and UCD, so we should uh, keep an eye out for that one. That could be an interesting one. Uh, what about the Premier Division? Obviously, Waterford, Bowles, Derry, and Shelburne are on four points. Galway have three points, which they'd be happy with that start. Um, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's upside down, but having Jamak Rovers and Pats kind of down towards that end I'm sure that'll turn around but Drogheda United uh, rock bottom and I watched that game that was my game this week I watched Drogheda against Waterford um, and I actually thought Drogheda went 1-0 up and Darren Markey was I thought was excellent in that first half for them but they just sloppy at the back and and, and, and very easy to cut through yeah, that that was definitely the, the standout result of the weekend, wasn't it? You, you could talk how surprising with the sh- uh, shells beating Roberts, but that can always happen. I didn't expect to see that. I'll be a waterfall off with it. These start against shells, but Drotter at home, I think Drotter is actually another side that has done decent business on paper. You have, As you said, you have that bit of quality there. Um, you lost like, like someone like Dale Rooney, but you have someone like Darren Markey in that midfield that can unlock that little bit of quality within them. and. Yeah, you said you were the one watching it. I was just just checking it out. Good to see um, Roger Gorman, obviously from a Waterford point of view, getting his first goal of the season. He's someone that they'd be relying on, probably about on and off the field, really. But did you see a bit of a Darren Leahy masterclass on the, on the night, Roy? I was looking that he got um, he got a couple of assists. He chipped in with two goals as well. Probably, it, it, a new, again, a new name for Waterford coming in and a good sign in, in, in the off-season. But he seems to be the one that shines. Yeah, well, he's... Yeah, I, I don't know if about Shining had a good game. Yes, about Shining, no. I, I, I again, I, I thought Darren Markey in the first half was excellent. He, he shone. You know, he was making things happen. He was busy. You get on the ball. You knew t- something was going to happen. Oh, I, I think it was more for me about the draw of the United defense and and their defensive structure and how easy it was to have time and space in around that box um, so I wouldn't be getting overly excited if I was a Waterford fan it's three good points it gives them a, a great start four points at the start of the season and that's exactly what they want it's more for me I'd be fearful for Drogheda United if they don't get things uh, changed around in a, a defensive unit I think I was listening to radio this morning I was, Big Sam was on on Talk Sport and he says you don't win leagues uh, by doing all your coaching up front. You coach at the back. Make sure you don't concede goals. If you don't concede goals, you win leagues. And Drogheda United want to stay up. They're going to have to stop leaking goals, and that's uh, that's a big one. What about uh, Shamrock Rovers again? A slow start like last year. Yeah, yeah, the second year in a row, wasn't it? They're getting off. 
and again, it, it's a Shamrock Rovers side that can't say that they're missing a lot of names that will be in the starting eleven. But because of the quality that you have there, Roy, you probably have two or three players in each position that could step up and do it. So they're not really down to that bare bones in terms of going out with you players playing. So I think that's a bit of a disservice for people saying that the Shelbourne. Who again, I've got off to a really good start. It's a difficult match uh, in the opening night. Away from a newly promoted side, Waterford, he got something out of that game. And then, first, first game of Hobbit Paul got there, the place absolutely rocking. Maybe uh, shut for that one. I, as I said, as you'd imagine, my game of the weekend was the Pats and Bowls one. But the other game of the weekend was when I came back out west, was on the Saturday where Sligo Rovers picked up an ill old draw at home to Derry. Jesus, 90 minutes of life, I probably never get back. It wasn't the most entertaining game in the world, but. Ed McGinty already showing that he could be the signing of the season for Sligo because he got them out of a pinch in more than one occasion at, at this game. And they'll be, again, a result that they'd be delighted with. They'd be, they would have been good with the way they, they finished the game against Bowles on the opening day and daily months. That two-all draw with a late goal, but I'm sure they would have snapped a hand off or a draw against, against the top Derry City side coming uh, to the showground. Yeah, and that's like as you said, that's two good draws against two well, Derry City anyhow. Bows are a decent side, but they 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 can be inconsistent. But their games are against the teams, you know, the bottom four teams, you know, the likes of well, if it's if if you're to be believed it's gonna be Dundalk, Trahada, you know, Galway, maybe Waterford. So they're the games that they really need to be, you know, getting the, the points against, you know. So uh, everything else is is a bonus, and uh, that's a great start for. It. I know they're only on two points, like, but it's a great start for them. Yeah, but I think if you offered that up to, up to the fans at the start of the season, you would have snapped a hand off for yeah. a draw in the opening day in Daly Mount, where, as I said, I, I, I really wasn't impressed by the off season walk. Uh, this is Bohemian, it's now been in a lot of unknowns, but it, it's, it's a difficult place to go, especially on the opening night and then facing it potential serious title challenges in Derry I think they'd be sure with with that with the with the draw on the night and it's probably um probably a symbol of what maybe Sligo Rovers fans can expect. In fairness to them they never look like conceding against Derry bar one or two hairy moments which as I said McGinty got nailed and but it's just the the serious lack of not even a goal scorer Roy in the team but just that little bit of quality in the midfield. You have someone like like Will Fitzgerald that can try and unlock it a little bit they're going to have to need someone like Fabrice Hartman to step up this season. He's at the club a little, maybe a year in there when he hasn't really shown his quality in ter- very, on a consistent basis. So they're going to need that if, if they're going to be looking at the likes of Wilson and uh, Wiriru and Max Matter and even the young lad Owen Eldon coming into the team. It could be a good year for him, but mm. these lads are going to be need, need service. And I just don't really see where that's going to come from at the minute. Okay. All right, right. We'll wrap it up there, Nathan. As you said, there's plenty of big games coming up all the time, and St. Pat's. It'll be interesting to see how they get on because I have Keating up front in my fancy football league team. He's not doing the bloody tap. Uh, when can we expect the goals to chip in there? Yeah, we're hoping soon because he's hoping and puffing, right? I will say that about him, but. Maybe it would be the worst in the world to, to, to put him out on the left hand side, maybe, and go with Keane Cavanagh. Oh, that's it. That's it. That he's fit. So, yeah. There you go. If you want, it, want a little tip for your fancy football. I had a look at him in the, for, in the first game, and he, he kept dropping into the number 10 kind of position. And he was good. He works hard. He gets on the ball. He's a decent footballer, but he wasn't getting in. 
I, I was disappointed he wasn't in the areas where you want to be to score goals get in that box be on the shoulder the, the centre for or centre back and, and be looking to, to nip in ahead of them and yeah I, I, I'd be concerned for him if, if he's going to keep playing like that and why have they brought him in to play him up front if he's not going to stay up front so uh, anyhow we'll, we'll talk about that again uh, thanks very much for listening